0: Practical Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley.
1: Well, good evening. Welcome to the podcast. It's good to have you back with us again. And tonight we're going to be talking about some myths in prepping. Now, myth is something that folks believe is true, and it's actually not. And there's some things that we need to understand about prepping that have become myths. Now, prepping is about more than just storing water and food, more than stocking guns, ammo, tactical gear, bunkers, giant bug-out vehicles, and living off the land. It's about being prepared for life's normal emergencies. If we're not careful, we can get our prepping efforts out of balance. We can prep too much for one area and ignore the others. Go back, we did a podcast quite some time back on balanced prepping, and we talked about evening those things out. We don't need to be all prepping up for alien zombies and forgetting the weather events. We need to balance our prepping. Chris, what you got?
0: Well, I think we're going to bust a few myths tonight. So, myth number one all you need for prepping is food and water. The truth is, just like you said, prepping is more than storing food and water. Although those things are important, there has to be something more to good, balanced, proper prepping.
1: Yeah, now most weather situations last maybe a day to a few weeks for major ones. But a really serious grid-down situation could last three months to a few years.
0: And that's actually happened. An illustration came to mind. A hurricane struck Puerto Rico Mm -hmm. some time ago. And it was a good year plus before they even got electrical power restored. Right.
1: So we need to be prepared for a number of things and just imagine if you're in puerto rico and all you've done is stored food and water how are you gonna cook it
0: exactly you how are you gonna to. To
1: handle sanitation right how are you going to handle illness or injury so we have to take a balanced approach and it's about more than just storing water and food see so if you have no power electric appliances stop working Mm -hmm. you don't have any cooking capability any heating capability no
0: refrigeration no freezing
1: how about if there's no water and this is something that we need to put into our plan anyway we can only store so much water true it's heavy and it takes up a lot of space And actually, it takes a lot of water to live. If you figure just on the minimum federal guidelines, two gallons a day for you and I, that is 60 gallons per month. Mm -hmm. Now, what if this thing goes a year?
0: Yes, and you're talking about water that you've stored for not only consuming, but hygiene, cooking, food prep, maybe even trying to water plants and things if rain's not a situation. I I
1: think plants have had it if we're down to a year-long situation. I think so. They're gone. Mm -hmm. but how are you going to restock your water? How are you going to replenish that? If you find it somewhere, you're going to have to filter it. You're going to have to sanitize it, sterilize it. You're going to have to make it safe to drink. How are we going to do that? We can't store enough water to last indefinitely. Even if you have a swimming pool, you need to be storing water and having other ways to do that. How about no sewage system?
0: Well, you know, along with that plumbing situation you're talking about, now you don't have sewage services, septic tanks weren't going to be operational like before. So you've got to deal with human waste and refuse, garbage, trash of all descriptions. What's your plan? Have you thought that through? Because there are ways to handle that sort of thing, but you have to develop Mm -hmm. a plan.
1: And that gave me a thought, and I think you misspoke on this about septic tanks not working. Septic tanks are not dependent on the grid. You're right. Water comes in and it drains out. So we'd be lucky to be on a septic system rather than a sewage system because the sewage systems will shut down. Eventually, the power goes away. Eventually, the workers quit coming to work, you know, depending on the situation. I I don't imagine the electrical workers kept going to work in Puerto Rico other than the ones that were stringing new lines. Now, there was lots of work for them to do once Mm -hmm. they got the materials.
0: Okay, so let's go to myth number two. And that is that all preppers buy into conspiracy theories.
1: Well, Humpty Dumpty was pushed.
0: See, that's a conspiracy theory. (laughs) Humpty Dumpty was pushed.
1: We're talking about here, a lot of people believe that all preppers or tin hatters believe in mind control. So they wear the tinfoil hat. They believe that the contrails that we see in the sky being made by airplanes, many people believe that that's some type of gas or some believe that it's a mind control substance that they're spraying the entire United States and using those airplanes to do it. Some believe that it's the end of the world is coming. Well, it will eventually, but it's going to be a while. At least according to the Bible, it's going to be a while. And also, some of the tin hatters believe that there'll be zombies. And zombies, I've forgotten, I I read some time back about where that word and where that concept came from, but it basically deals with the undead. Mm -hmm. When you're dead, you're dead.
0: Well, you know, the Night of the Living Dead, that Mm. B-rated 50s movie, that's where a lot of thought was that you could suffer some sort of pandemic virus that doesn't kill you, but you're not really alive either kind Mm. of thing, but you're still in some sort of state And that now you're almost unkillable, and you'll roam the earth, and so.
1: If there's any truth to that myth, let's hope they're the slow walkers and Mm -hmm. not the runners.
0: Not the runners, exactly.
1: Now, the truth is that most preppers are normal, very stable, regular people. They're the people next door. They're the people you work with. They're the people you go to church with. They're the people whose kids your kids go to school with. Mm -hmm. Most preppers are regular people.
0: Okay, so myth number three, to be a prepper, you need to have a lot of guns, ammo, and my favorite word, tactical gear. (laughs) Love that word, tactical.
1: Tactical. Yeah, you look cool when you're wearing it, whether you know how to use it or not. Now, the truth is that while there are many preppers that are gun owners, many are not. That's true. It's a personal choice, and it's also dependent upon the laws in the area where you live. You may live in a country where firearms are forbidden. You may live in a city where they're forbidden, or they're highly, highly controlled, like a Chicago or a New York. And prepping is about more than stocking guns, ammo, and tactical gear, unless you believe the zombies or the aliens from space will be the issue.
0: Well, careful now, because when you start talking like that, it makes me think you've put your tin hat on.
1: No, I don't have my tin hat on. (laughs) You don't have to have a bunch of guns and ammo and tactical gear unless you believe that it's going to be the zombies that we're going to be fighting. If that is, then you just need to skip forward, buy a bunch of good rifles and a whole bunch of ammo and a lot of first aid.
0: If you find value in our podcast, would you consider supporting us by buying us a cup of coffee? You can do that by going to www.buymeacoffee.com slash practical prep. Your support helps us keep the podcast up and running as well as growing. We have a few things in the planning stages and your support will really help make those things happen. And we thank you so kindly. Now, of course, we welcome immigrants to come to our country that are here to contribute to society and become citizens and adopt the laws of our land. But we are not real swell with undocumented immigrants coming in who are With criminal intent. We have found that that can, in some cases, be a very large problem.
1: And let's call them what they are, illegal aliens. Mm -hmm. They've come across the border illegally. They've snuck into the country. Now, as she mentioned, we're glad for folks to come through the front door. I don't want you coming across through the back door. Don't sneak in, come in legally. But what's happening is that some of these are coming in illegally And a bunch were brought from Afghanistan that they were just pushed into airplanes and brought to, some of them, to the United States. And these folks are being distributed across the United States. I know they snuck an airplane into Chattanooga in the middle of the night and left 400 of these undocumented aliens in Chattanooga. Mm -hmm. Well, it's coming to a city near you. And I'm going to guarantee you that it will increase crime. See, what happens is, and I'm not saying that immigrants cause crime. That is not what I'm saying. Mm Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is that many of these or some of these illegal aliens are already criminals.
0: Right. And some of this is not their first go around. They're coming and going out of the U.S. frequently. Yeah. Deportation doesn't scare them.
1: Remember the Cuban boat crisis when they put so many on boats and just sent them this way? Mm -hmm. That's how they dealt with their jail situation. They took their criminals out of prison, put them in boats and sent them to us. And many of them are back in prison here, and we're paying the bill on that now. Well, what's happening, most of these folks, I mean, they're not vetted before they come across the border. That's true. They're not even being checked completely medically. And things that are mandated in some areas, vaccines are not being required of or even offered to, from what I understand, many of the illegal aliens coming in. And mixed in with this bunch, you've got Mm MS-13, the gang.
0: got Got some gangs, got some cartels.
1: And drugs are crossing the border. And with this open border, this porous border, drugs are pouring across the border.
0: And there's a lot of human trafficking going Mm -hmm. on, too.
1: Absolutely. Now, you do need to take some precautions. And part of that is situational awareness.
0: Something we've talked about before.
1: Talked about many times and we'll talk about again. You also need some type of personal protection. And we did a podcast on that not too long ago. Another note, when we're talking about prepping and those that think that you have to have a lot of guns, ammo, and gear, if your prepping is limited to firearms, and your plan is to take from others when you're in need, you will die. Yeah,
0: that's a bad bad scenario for you.
1: You will die, and a couple of things can happen. You'll meet an old guy with skills, Mm -hmm. and he will take you out. He will protect his family and his stuff, and you better not kick his dog either, or he'll kill you. Uh,
0: uh But
1: you'll meet an old guy with some skills, or you'll meet a group with some skills, and they'll take you out.
0: Yeah, so if if firearms only and taking from the haves because you're a have not, Mm -hmm. yeah, let me reiterate, that's a bad plan, that's a fatal plan.
1: It might work once, twice, 10 times, 15 times, but somewhere before long, you're going to meet that guy that takes you out.
0: That is the truth.
1: It's more than just needing lots of guns, ammo, and tactical gear
0: okay the next myth we're looking at is in order to be a prepper you have to have a bug out location out in the boonies in the rural areas and you need to be able to go off grid
1: well as nice as that would be you really don't have to have a bug out location you do need a plan you need to plan where you'll go if you have to bug out
0: now again let's reiterate what are reasons why we would have to leave where we are
1: Well, if they knock on the door in the middle of the night and say there's been a wreck down here at this intersection and this truck is leaking some particular chemical or there's been a train accident over here about three quarters of a mile from us and it's leaking such and such chemical and you've got three minutes to get out of the house. You got to go. That stuff will kill you. Mm -hmm. You might have to leave with a wildfire. You definitely have to leave on a tsunami warning.
0: Right. If you're going to be immediately affected. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
1: Wildfire.
0: Tornado, flooding can tornado make you leave.
1: can give you damage. And, and here again, and I'll say this again, if you live in a mobile home or a camper, you cannot stay there with an approaching tornado. You've got to go find a shelter somewhere, community shelter, church basement, courthouse basement, something. Mm-hmm. But you cannot stay in those situations. There are legitimate situations that would cause us to have to bug out. And those are short term, usually. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now, after a tornado, major damage, you may not be able to live in the house for a while, but you'll get to come back. It's what we pay insurance for. It's what we buy insurance. That's one of the things we've used to illustrate prepping. Do you wear your seatbelt? You're a prepper. You're prepared for the wreck. Do you have insurance? See, when you start having wreck wrecks, too late to call and ask for insurance. Prepping doesn't require land in the middle of nowhere or a bunker. A bug out location can be a hotel or family or friends. We've got family nearby we could go to if we had to. We've got several motels, hotels nearby that we could go to. If we needed to go 50 miles north, we could go find a hotel up there, east, west, any direction. Most bug outs are those short-term evacuations. And evacuation is probably a more accurate word. Mm -hmm. But we put it under bug out because it's when you have to leave home.
0: Okay. That's so when you have to go. We don't have to be searching out tracts of land and starting building log cabins. No. If we, unless you want to do that. Oh, hey, it'd be nice. You get the freedom to do what you want to do. But it's not an absolute necessity that it has to be that
1: way. No, but I would love to have a cabin in the middle of 400 acres in the middle of nowhere.
0: <laughs> yes, he would.
1: Not necessarily for bugging out.
0: Oh, exactly. Right.
1: That, that would be the weekend and vacation place.
0: Moving on to myth number five. The myth says you have to have a big, older model bug-out
1: vehicle. Yeah, prepping doesn't require a go-anywhere bug-out vehicle. Now, a lot of podcasters and websites recommend a vehicle that's 4x4, four four, it's larger, and it's out of the 70s, you know, older than 1980.
0: And why is that?
1: EMP and or a CME. And that's a very low probability event. But if it occurred, it would be a very high impact.
0: Okay. So what do you suggest if we're preppers and we're practical and we're trying to be MythBusters here? Use what's, what you have. So the vehicle we have already is mm-hmm. likely still going to be operational. The
1: family car, the old station wagon. Motorcycle. Bicycle. You know, mm-hmm. whatever your normal mode of transportation is. That's what you use for bugging out. I don't care what it is. If you walk everywhere you go, that's your mode of transportation. <laughs> Those hush puppies you're wearing. You can take the soccer mom vans. You know, mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. It's, the idea is that you need a reliable vehicle, something that can get you to a hotel or to family or to friends, a place of safety. It needs to be reliable, and it needs to not have less than one half tank of fuel in that. You don't want to be right down on the top of E and start to have to bug out, and you've got to stop two miles down the road to get fuel for that vehicle. And
0: particularly in an emergency situation, you'll be like many hundreds of thousands of people that are wanting to be in line mm-hmm. to get fuel, and it's going to run out.
1: And if it's a large area evacuation, there will be thousands of people trying trying to do that. Last one.
0: The last one says here, you don't have to be crazy to be a prepper.
1: But it helps. (laughs) It does help. You know, you can overthink things, and these things can overwhelm us. They can frustrate us. They can worry us. They can even cause paranoia. But we don't need to let this stuff drive us crazy. Oh, not at all. We just need to take a practical approach to this, We need to take a very sensible, well-thought-out approach to it. And we're talking about that, listening to too much one-sided news taints our views. If you spend a lot of time reading in prepper forums, listening to prepper podcasts, be careful about people peddling fear. Now, I listen to a few podcasts that, it's very obvious, they peddle fear. But I want to get their concepts, but I don't dwell just on that. I don't listen just to them. I try to balance what I listen to. I try to balance even the news that I listen to and watch. I read as many, and I don't watch a lot of news, honestly, but I go to a lot of the mainstream news websites, and they are mixed about evenly between conservative and liberal. And then I look at some foreign websites, news sites like BBC. I'm talking about large organizations. And I'm looking for that balanced viewpoint in there. None of them are 100% accurate. None of them are 100% true. Truth is somewhere in the middle there. The idea is to take. Well, it's just like being in law enforcement. There's three sides to every story. This side, that side, and what actually happened. (laughs) And that's what we get paid to do sometimes is listen to this one, listen to that one, and then figure out what actually happened. We need to take that approach with our news consumption, and we need to filter what comes into us, and we need to filter out the things that are so far out that it's just illogical. And we need to develop that plan for somewhere in the middle. But be careful. Don't let this stuff drive you up the wall. Don't let it cause you to become overwhelmed or frustrated or worrying or depressed. Just go back to your plan. We talked about having a prepping plan. Go back to page one, step one, and just make sure you're doing those things and quit worrying about all the rest of it.
0: Well, that sounds as balanced and as practical and as optimistic as I have ever heard.
1: Hmm. Said something right, huh?
0: Well, yeah, you said a lot of things right.
1: All right. Folks, we appreciate you being with us tonight, and we'll see you next time.
0: You can reach us on Facebook at Practical Prepping. You can email us at info at info, and our website is practicalprepping.info. And remember, stuff happens. Stay prepared.